Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, July 26th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Many Native Americans lost a link to their own foods after centuries of colonization. Now there's a growing movement to change that. It really helps me like connect to my culture better. It helps me connect to my people better. We will have that story in just a few minutes. The National Weather Service is calling the rain that has fallen today throughout the St. Louis region historic. Some locations received more than 10 inches, leading to widespread flash flooding. Many cars were stranded in high water. The Weather Service says St. Louis received slightly more than 7 inches of rain in only 5 hours early today, breaking the daily record of 6.85 inches on August 20, 1915. A family of Afghan refugees is looking forward to starting a new life in St. Louis after arriving yesterday at St. Louis Lambert International Airport. As St. Louis Public Radio's Farah Anderson reports, family members said through a translator they are grateful to have a new home after fleeing war-torn Afghanistan. Four members of the Azimi family were among 350 Afghans stuck in Albania waiting for the U.S. to offer them refuge after they fled Afghanistan. Their country is now being controlled by the Taliban. Moji Siddiqui is a program manager for the International Institute in St. Louis. She translated for Mr. Azimi, who says he's looking forward to being a part of the St. Louis community. He said, I don't know anybody in St. Louis besides the couple of folks. But what he has heard from the Internet and what he has seen is that St. Louis has a welcoming culture for the refugees and that he wants to be a part of it. Advocates have secured an apartment that Azimi, his wife, and two sons are moving into this week. I'm Farrah Anderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Helping the Azimi family resettle in St. Louis is part of a wider effort by elected officials, immigrant advocates, and business leaders. They want to help more than 350 Afghan refugees who assisted U.S. forces during the war in that country. Former Missouri Secretary of State and veteran Jason Kander is an organizer with the Afghan Rescue Project, which helped people flee the war-torn country last year. He says around 350 refugees have been waiting in Albania for the U.S. government to issue visas. As word spreads about the incredible welcome that people are going to get here in St. Louis, we're confident that there will be others in Albania and elsewhere in the resettlement pipeline that will choose St. Louis. St. Louis groups have helped resettle more than 700 Afghan refugees since U.S. forces left that country and the Taliban took over. Missouri is again loosening requirements for substitute teacher certification. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports the state hopes to find more subs during a nationwide shortage. Missouri used to require 60 college credit hours to become a certified substitute teacher. Now the state will only require 36 hours of college credit. That's one way to become a sub. Last year, the state also added an option to take a 20-hour online course. Many schools in the St. Louis area use a national company called Kelly Education to contract subs. Its president, Nicolas Suarez, says the need for subs goes hand-in-hand with the overall teacher shortage. Demand has, I would characterize it as crushing. (laughs) It has soared, skyrocketed as a result of full-time teachers leaving the classroom. The new substitute requirements are already in place ahead of the upcoming school year. I'm Kate Grumke, St. Louis Public Radio. 
State fairs around the Midwest are gearing up for what they hope are normal conditions following two years of pandemic cancellations and restrictions. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports. State fairs were canceled in 2020, and last year many saw scaled-back events. But this year the directors are hoping to put up pre-pandemic attendance numbers. Rebecca Clark is the Illinois State Fair manager. She says while COVID-19 might not be as big of a concern this year, inflation might lead some people to skip the event. We've been proactive in looking for ways that we can make the fair affordable. So we have several days, uh, Monday through Thursday, where adult admission is half price. Missouri saw more than 330,000 attend last year's fair, which is about 10 percent lower than pre-pandemic levels, and its director is expecting to be back to average this year. In Rolla, I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. Native Americans have been growing food to feed their communities and connect to their spirituality and cultures for millennia. But colonization separated many Native Americans from traditional foods. Now, the idea of food sovereignty, or people having the right to control where and how they get food, is growing. And as Lauren Hines reports for Harvest Public Media, new formal programs to promote Native foods are popping up across the Midwest. At the Kansas City Indian Center, there's an indoor garden that holds dozens of potted plants full of indigenous foods like elderberry seedlings and papas. Assistant gardener Jojo Blackwood is watering the plants and notices the baby sumac trees are going strong. Oh, as you can see, some of these have already started growing their own little leaves, their own little stems. This is all part of the center's food sovereignty efforts, which focus on providing access to healthy, traditional food. Through the center's two community gardens and foraging classes, Blackwood and a few volunteers connect Kansas Cityans to foods they can find right in their backyards. That's another big part of indigenous farming, is that, you know, you understand that all these are living things. They're, they're not just like a thing you own, they're your relative. You help them, they help you. In a 2019 study from the Food Security Journal, researchers found Native Americans make up less than 2% of the U.S. population, but they suffer from some of the highest rates of food insecurity, poverty, diet-related diseases, and other socioeconomic challenges. Heather Don Thompson is the director of the Office of Tribal Relations at the U.S. Department of Agriculture and a member of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. I think we have to be cognizant of the historical role that the federal government and the American people have played in displacing the indigenous plants and animals to begin with. For instance, Thompson says the U.S. government tried to eliminate bison while settling America, which left Native American tribes without a food source and their sovereignty. And that impact is still being felt today. In Colorado, the First Nations Development Institute is helping indigenous communities find grants and other resources to connect with their own food. Ade Brionis is the director of programs. I think what we see now in food sovereignty is like this attempt to pierce some of the colonial structures. Brionis, who is Cochiti Pueblan and Kiowa Indian, says it wasn't until the 1930s that the U.S. government allowed indigenous peoples to participate in the American economy. Now, formal food sovereignty programs are emerging to challenge the entrenched colonial food system. Whether that be like government regulations or economic disparities that prevent indigenous people 
from really building models of food system or participating in traditional models of food growing. And indigenous organizations across the Midwest are taking matters into their own hands. The Kwapa Nation in Oklahoma has been at the forefront of building food sovereignty programs. Michelle Bowden is the agriculture and environment specialist for the nation, as well as a member. She says they're trying to increase the health of the community, economic resilience, and bring back cultural heritage. I I think that people really understand the importance of uh, food sovereignty and the fact that we need to be, you know, pretty much self-sustainable and be able to take care of uh, the communities that we live in. In 2019, she and her team created the Kwapa Farmer's Market after finding that people were having trouble accessing fresh food in the region. The market offers local products and traditional foods like Kwapa red corn and bison. Indigenous foods also help connect Native Americans back to a diet that's healthier and more nutritious than the current colonized diet. But to people like Jojo Blackwood, food is about more than just nutrition. It really helps me like connect to my culture better. It helps me connect to my people better. I like to think that my ancestors are proud of me for doing this. And Blackwood says now her main concern is helping her community and trying her best to be a good plant mom. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Lauren Hines. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms reporting on rural issues. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great day. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.